This is The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. David is the senior pastor of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. You need to make the choice. You, you need to lay those things down. Paul is telling us that we should no longer live like the unsaved. If we're truly born again into the kingdom of God, we are now sons of righteousness. We are sons and daughters of God. And we need to forsake the deeds of the children of wrath. Then we need to lay them aside, put them out of our lives. We need to refocus our lives for the glory of God and for His kingdom. In this teaching, we see a list of thoughts and actions we should put off. We should put on the new man, the one that is led by the Spirit. We need to stop acting like the unsaved and start acting like Christ. Dancing with the Father is our example of how to live. However, we need to be making the right choices so that we're close enough with Him that we can hear His voice. Being close to God is the way we learn the fruits of the Spirit and how to walk in truth. Let's join Pastor David in the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verse 20 with the conclusion of our message entitled, Dancing with the Father. We look at that group of verses from 17 to 19, and he speaks about Gentiles walking in the futility of their minds, their understanding being darkened, they're alienated from the life of God, there is an ignorance that's in them, there's blindness that's in their heart, they're beyond feeling, and they've given themselves over to lewdness, and to work all uncleanness with greediness. He goes on to tell them, in, still in chapter 4, in verses 20 through 24, that they haven't learned Christ that way. They know that that's not what their Christian life is all about. That they now need to put off that old man, that old way of thinking, that old way of acting, that old way of responding, that old way of attitudes. And put on the new man, the new man that's led by the Spirit, the one that leads us into a walk of righteousness and holiness. And even still in in verses 25 through 31 of chapter 4, and I know I'm going backwards here, but hopefully it's to help build up what we're going forward to. In verses 25 through 31 of chapter 4, Paul warns us against those actions, those thoughts, those attitudes of the past. Verse 25, he says, put away lying. Verse 26, he says, don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Verse 27, he says, don't give place to the devil. Verse 28, he says, stop stealing. Get a job and work to help others in need. Verse 29, he says, be careful what you say. You need to be one that imparts grace to the hearers. Verse 30, he says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Verse 31, he says, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Beloved, who is he talking to here? Is he talking to the lost? No, he's talking to the church. He's telling the church to stop lying. He's telling the church to quit stealing. He's telling the church to put off that old ways, those old attitudes, the old man, the the lostness of the actions that you're doing right now. They don't demonstrate the reality of Christ in you. You need to look and understand, no, I am now a new creation in Christ. Old things are 
passed away, behold, all things have become new. Well, have they become new? I guess would be the real question that needs to be pushed this morning. Have they really and truly become new? Or is your relationship with Christ simply uh, the repetition of the verbiage on the back of a card or at the close of a service that says, oh yes, I believe in Jesus? Or does it become simply a chant or a phrase that says, Oh yes, I believe in Jesus. Yes, I do. I believe in Jesus. How about you? And the other side of the room says, Oh yeah, I believe in Jesus. I trust Jesus. Yes, I do. I believe in Jesus. How about you? Or is it the reality of Christ in you? The very hope of glory. There's actions that you and I need to take. There's, there's, there's choices that need to be continually made in the believer's life. As a believer, we need to continually be seeking the Holy Spirit to guide us in making these right choices. We need choices in our life. We need to make the choices in our life that are going to honor God in our lives and that are going to declare His reality to the rest of the world that's around us, that are still in the futility of their minds, that are still wandering in darkness, separated totally from any understanding of who God is. We make these right choices in our lives by being imitators of God. We do it by dancing with the Father. To be an imitator of God means that we need to have that same heart, which, which leads to the same actions as God. As His child, we have to continually be demonstrating family characteristics. Are you part of the family of God do the family traits show in your life? Last week, my son preached for me here. After his message, more than a couple of folks came up to me and said, Wow, your son is just like you are. And my comment to all that is always, Oh yeah, tall, thin, good looking, and lots of hair. He's just like I am. But I know what they mean. His mannerisms, even the sound of his voice. As a matter of fact, the sound of his voice when he calls uh, my mom, his grandmother, on the phone. We kind of give her a hard time because she can't tell if it's me or him. There are family characteristics. There are family traits that come. Why? Because he's my child. And if we are truly a child of God, there ought to be flowing from us those characteristics that show that. That can't be denied. I love it when somebody comes up to me and says, Wow, you can't deny him as your son. I said, No, neither would I want to. But it also reminds me of the fact of when people look at me, do they see, can they tell who my father is? In order to help us to understand exactly what he's speaking about, Paul speaks about one of the major attributes of God. One of the major attributes of God, love. He tells us that in order to be imitators of God, in order to dance with the Father, we need to walk in love. He gives the attribute and then he goes on to declare us, to us exactly how that attribute was lived out. He says it was lived out by Christ loving us and giving himself for us as that absolute and total sacrifice for our sin. And God received this offering, this sacrifice, as a sweet-smelling aroma. And then he goes on in verse 3 
to drive the issue home even further, to help us to understand without any kind of confusion. In addition to the things that we've already looked at back in chapter 4, Paul continues on with a list of those things that are opposite to the nature of God. Those things which we, as his children, need to flee from, need to depart from, need to put off and put away from us. They are the opposite of the nature of God. They're contrary to the focus of the kingdom of God. And we need to understand that even as these things are listed from from chapter 4 now on into chapter 5, Paul isn't giving us a complete and exhaustive list here. These are simply things, examples, that are contrary to the heart and to the nature of God. So as we look at these things in chapter 4 or chapter 5, if your particular sin or sins aren't listed there, you're not off the hook, okay? Because it all comes back to, to the heart of the matter, the nature of the matter. Are we living our lives according to the nature of God, according to the focus of the kingdom of God? And if we're not, they need to be removed from our lives. Look at what he says in verse 3. But fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness, Let it not even be named among you as is fitting for saints. Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. When he speaks of fornication there, fornication or immorality, this is a type of inappropriate sexual behavior. In the Old Testament, there was a distinction between adultery and fornication. Adultery dealt with married couples that aren't married with each other and yet are having physical relations. And fornication was for unmarried that were having physical relations outside of marriage. But in the New Testament, fornication includes any kind of sexual activities that are outside of the marriage union of a husband and a wife. And in the pagan culture of of Paul's day, fornication wasn't considered too big of a deal. Nothing much to get concerned about. Kind of look at today's culture. Kind of the same way, isn't it? Oh, he's sleeping with her, or she's sleeping with him, or whatever the case may be. Well, we're just going to try this relationship out for a while. We're going to move in together to see if that works out. Beloved, if you're a believer, you are out of bounds. You are definitely wrong in your understanding. That kind of relationship, that kind of life, God calls as a commitment, a union, till death do you part. For God's people, there's a standard of decency. And Paul warns them about that. Remember, he's talking to the church. He's not back in the back alley telling people who are not believers, don't do this. He's talking to the church. He goes on to say this uncleanness, again, the idea of impurity. Again, it's keeping with the same direction, probably and most likely even sexual perversions. More likely that Paul is is dealing with those that, had an impure life of any sort. He speaks of covetousness. And that's this insatiable desire for more. And in particular, the insatiable desire for more at the expense of others. See, I don't, I don't, I don't really care about you. What I'm concerned about is what I get out of this thing. And it doesn't matter what I do to you in order for me to gain it. See, that's that idea of the greed or the covetousness that comes. Covetousness, greed, 
they lead to a whole host of other sins. And Paul says that these things aren't even to be mentioned among the saints. And earlier he had told them how this was the life that they used to live. That's the way you used to be outside of Christ. But now in Christ there needs to be this ongoing, this continual character transformation. Still in chapter 5, verse 4, he goes on with the list. He says, Neither filthiness, nor foolish talking, nor coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather giving of thanks. Filthiness, again, dealing with the outward conduct of an individual. And it includes any and all kinds of indecency or obscenity within an individual's life. Foolish talking. This is talk that's both foolish and sinful. It's, it's, it's like the corrupt word coming out of an individual. It's more than just random or idle talk. It is something that, again, draws or leads or speaks in with the whole idea of sin, away from the nature of God. He speaks, of course, jesting. This has nothing to do with joking around it, but it has everything to do with the subject of the joke. If you've known me for very long, you know that I will joke around. It's not about joking, but it is Everything to do with the subject or the nature of the joke. Coarse jesting. These kind of activities, these, these, these thoughts, directions, they're not fitting for the child of God. Paul, again, is warning against them. We ought to be living our lives in an attitude of great thanksgiving due to the greatness of the forgiveness that was given to us. And again, this isn't a punch list of the, the things that, again, you know, we could put this list down here and write them all and put numbers beside them, zero to five, and zero, this doesn't affect me. Five, I'm really involved in this. And we go down and we score ourselves on it, and there's a score of where you would rate within the Christian community. Uh, That's not what's given here. What Paul is trying to bring us into is that we might understand the attitudes and the actions that are, again, against the nature of God, against the focus of the kingdom of God. Paul goes on to explain in verse 5 why these things and other things like them need to be removed from the mind and from the life and from the mouth of the believers. He starts out, for this we know. And this this phrase for this we know in the Greek is very emphatic. It has the ideas of this we know for certain. Without a doubt, we are assured of this very thing. And he says that no fornicator, no unclean person nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. All three of these types that he speaks here, the sexually impure, the corrupt, and the coarse individual, as well as the one who's filled with covetousness and and greed, they're led into idolatry by the personal desires, by the lifestyle that they live, and that stands between them and Almighty God. These are the ones outside the kingdom. These are the ones outside the desire of God. These are the lost. These are the unsaved. These are the sons of disobedience that Paul has talked about earlier. Paul is telling us that we should no longer live like that. That's how we used to be. That's how the sons of disobedience live. And you know that they are outside of the very presence of God. But you, you're born again. 
You're part of the family of God. Why do you keep living that way? You need to make the choice. You, you need to lay those things down. Paul is telling us that we should no longer live like the unsaved. If we're truly born again into the kingdom of God, we are now sons of righteousness. We are sons and daughters of God. And we need to forsake the deeds of the children of wrath. Then we need to lay them aside, put them out of our lives. We need to refocus our lives for the glory of God and for his kingdom. He continues on in verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these very things, the wrath of God comes upon whom? The sons of disobedience. Therefore, don't be partakers with them. The wrath of God coming upon those who are not in the kingdom of God. The wrath of God coming to, to those who are, are still outside of the grace of God. The wrath of God coming upon those who have never given their lives to God. And he says, why would you run with them? Don't be partakers with them. We need to understand what Paul is not saying here. Paul is not saying that you are not saved if there are still areas in your life where there's sin that you're dealing with. That's not what he's saying. He is simply stating, you need to change. That's the old nature. That's the life of darkness. You need to continue to grow. You need to walk as a child of God. That's what the sons of disobedience do. Why would you, as his child, continue to do those things? Put those things away from you. Verse 8, he says, For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. He says to the same ones, he's saying, don't steal any longer. Don't lie any longer. No longer commit fornication. Don't be covetous. He says, you are children of light. And he's warning them that because they are children of light, that they need to put that stuff away. That they need to make those choices. They need to make sure that they are close enough with the Father, that they can dance with the Father. Because they see his face. Because they know his closeness. It says, you were once darkness, but now you're light in the Lord. Walk as children of the light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. Again, this isn't an exhaustive list of these things which are acceptable even to the Lord. But it's the nature of God. It's the purpose and the focus of the kingdom that Paul's talking about. Verse 11, he says, Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it's shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Not only does your life need to change, we need to remove ourselves from areas and places and sometimes, yes, even people where these things continue to happen. We need to make those hard choices in our lives. And it's, it's interesting, but for some it might be a change of friends. 
But I think it's pretty interesting that once we start walking in righteousness and once we start making the right decisions and once wickedness is no longer a joy in our life and once uh, the perversion is no longer an attraction or a lure to us, that the friends that we had, they leave anyway. Because you're not as fun as you used to be. You don't run with us the way you used to run. Verse 14, he says, Therefore, he says, Awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Again, he's speaking to the church. I believe that what Paul is saying, in essence, to the church is, man, you guys are like comatose. You guys, if if we were to put the electrodes on, on your chest, there would be almost a flat line there. Because you're not really living in Christ. You're not really uh, walking in, in a way that, 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 that demonstrates the reality of God in Christ in you. He says it's time for you to wake up. It's time for the church to wake up, not be drawn back into the allurements of the darkness. Awake, arise from the dead. Let Christ give you that light. And then verse 15, see then that you walk circumspectfully. In other words, correctly, diligently, carefully. Be careful where you're walking. Not as fools, but as wise. Be careful where you're walking. If I were to tell you that outside in the parking lot while you guys were in here, we've scattered a number of landmines out there, but we've marked each one. You would be a fool to just simply run out across the parking lot. But if you walk circumspectly, you see, no, there's, there's a landmine in my life. There's destruction in my life. There's something that's going to destroy me over here. And you and I would walk not as fools, but as wise. I don't think there's a single one of us in here that don't know the weaknesses of our own flesh. I want to tell you something else. The enemy knows the weakness of your flesh. And the Word of God and the Spirit of God are crying out to you. Watch out. That's a landmine. Don't, don't play with that one. That, that one's going to destroy you. Don't, don't hold on to that. That's going to bring destruction. So as the Spirit of God and the Word of God speaks to us about these places of destruction. Why would we continue to walk as fools? He says in verse 16, we need to be redeeming the time because the days are evil. They were evil 2,000 years ago. I don't know if I'm quite prepared to say that they're more evil today. Or we just get better coverage of the evil today. But I can assure you of this one thing. The days are evil. And I do believe that the closer the Lord Jesus comes to coming again, that evil is going to be more clearly demonstrated. It's going to be out there so much in front. No longer hidden. No longer behind the corners. No longer down in the alleys. It's going to be right out front street for everyone, and we see that even today. 
where it says that in the last days, perilous times are going to come. I think as we look at the day, look at the hour, look at the reality of Jesus Christ coming soon for his church, we as the church need to redeem the time. Understand, realize, it's time for us to dance. It's time for us to dance with the Father. Not with the world. Not with the enemy of our souls. But with our loving Heavenly Father. Who loved us so greatly. He gave Christ for us. Unfortunately, that's all the time we have for today. You've been listening to The Open Word. The teaching ministry of Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel Casa Grande in Casa Grande, Arizona. To learn more about The Open Word, visit our website at theopenword.com. You can download today's teaching or subscribe to The Open Word Podcast. Subscribing to The Open Word Podcast is the best way to stay up to date with all the latest messages from David. To subscribe, log on to theopenword.com, click on the podcast option on the homepage, or simply search for The Open Word in the iTunes Store. You can also give us a call if you'd like. That number to call is 520-836-9676. That's 520-836-9676. Another option to get in touch with us is to send us an email. Our email address is info at theopenword.com. That's info at theopenword.com. When you contact us, please let us know the call letters of the station you heard the open word on and how today's broadcast has blessed you. Your feedback helps us know the Lord's direction for this ministry. Once again, you've been listening to The Open Word with Pastor David Landry of Calvary Chapel in Casa Grande, Arizona. In the next edition of The Open Word, David will continue teaching through God's Word. So please make plans to join us again and may God richly bless you.